Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome to Morning Walk and Photo Talk. Wonderful people coming hanging out with the Artist Forge group this morning as we continue our deep dive into social media and how we manage it and what we do with it, how we promote ourselves, the practical nature of it, the psychological nature of it, and all that good stuff yesterday. We started with some really kind of broad overviews. We did talk about some strategy, but the main goal was to kind of begin broad and think about how we place ourselves within the social media sphere, things that we should keep in mind, like what do I enjoy doing? What kind of platform is suited to the type of content that I actually like making so that I can maintain a relationship and the platform takes advantage of my strengths as a creator, as a communicator? And then what are some things that we should be thinking about, like understanding what our intention for that particular platform is and how we're going to use it, what we expect of it, all that good stuff. And we also talked a little bit about what some people are doing now, um, such as, you know, telling stories and all that good stuff. So Matt is the kind of driver of this one. Um, this is his particular question and something I would love to see you take the lead on. So uh, now with your sleep deprivation, that should be an interesting challenge <laughs> this morning. Uh, so I'm excited to see where this one goes. So I'm going to step back and uh, put you in the driver's seat, good sir. <laughs> well, that's that's your funeral. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm really like I mentioned yesterday, love hate relationship with it. And I'm trying to figure out, um, social media for me. And then also trying to get to a point where I'm feeling like, like I'm doing enough. And I, I know it's all subjective and I know our, our brains kind of go a bunch of different ways. But when I posited the question in the group the other day, it really was around, um, you know, am I doing things the right way? And and quite frankly, there's no real barometer other than following analytics and watching your growth. And are you meeting the goals that you're setting, right? There is no right or wrong to any of this. And one of the things that came out and, and good morning, Becca, I saw you join and I will give you a few moments to, uh, to rub the sleep out of your eyes. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and with that, I might give you more than a few minutes. Um, but you had mentioned some things in response to my post that really got me thinking. And one of those was the behavioral changes that people have gone through and viewing social media a little bit differently these days, especially over the past year and a half, right? So it got me thinking about what is it that people are looking for? What is it that they're connecting with? And it's easy to throw out authenticity or honesty or, you know, what have you. But what I found is that for me specifically, I'm always tempering that authenticity or that honesty with this thing that I have, which is like always try to be professional, always try to put something out there that that folks are going to resonate with. And I find myself more and more slipping into the world of memes instead and TikToks and just throwing stuff out to make them laugh because for me, that's what makes me laugh. So, you know, I've noticed my own social media behavior change over the past year and a half. I think with all the free time that we've had, there's a level of um, content overload and so we've been able to really pick and choose what we like. So Becca, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more about the behavioral um, points that you were making and see if that's something that we can tie into our respective approaches. Yeah, definitely. Um, and forgive me, I've been awake for about three minutes. Um, but I mean, that's 
that's the meat of it, right? It's it's social media and it has to be social. So you have to be putting your focus really on the the people aspect and the behavior aspect. Um and I uh oh sorry. <laughs> no, I think I you know, and, and to give you more time to wake up and I I know I kind of threw you under the bus there, but um Really? Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. My, uh, my phone um, wasn't completely on and it didn't give me the notification. So I should have been awake earlier. My alarm should have gone off. Anyway, um, so as, as I've, I've brought up before, Nicole's brought this up too. Um, when it comes to utilizing social media to really kind of build your business, um, making sure you're putting the, the client or not the client, the focus on the client and how the client is using that media or how the audience is using that media um, is number one above all else. Um, and, you know, people tend to be able to tell, um, like we, we can sniff out when we're talking to like a real person versus when we're talking to like a scripted robot voice, uh, speaking in business speak. Right. So like, you can tell like when someone's genuinely posting a meme, like you said, that's enjoyable. It made them laugh and you connect with them on a personal level versus sometimes when you see like those ads that are using memes and they don't actually make sense and they don't actually understand what they're trying to communicate at all, uh, or even when you call someone on the phone, right? And, you know, you can tell they're reading a script versus when you can tell you're actually having a conversation with them and they understand your problem and they actually want to help you. Um, so yeah, digging into those behavioral aspects are really, really super important. And it's going to change depending on who you are actually trying to connect with because different people are going to use different kinds of social media differently. Um, for me, like, I want to like TikTok a lot more. Like, I like TikTok, but it's also not necessarily the best marketing social media outlet for me versus maybe like someone like Erica who shoots senior portraits and needs to be really involved and aware of like Gen Z. That is, that, that's a great opportunity for her to make those kind of connections. So you have to be super, super, again, aware of those behavioral elements. That's That's so great. And, you know, you made another point as well that, and this one really struck home for me, which is the follower count does not equal success, right? And we all kind of know that, but it's good reminder. It's good to hear over and over. Um, and that it's all about engagement rate, right? So it's knowing your audience. It's knowing what they like. And if it fits into your marketing plan, that's perfectly fine. What you're driving towards is engagement rather than just numbers, right? Because anybody can buy numbers. God, I get the, the DMs all the time. Hey, pay me 50 bucks and you get 350,000 followers. Maybe that might be hyperbolic, but you get the drift. So, you know, I think having a higher engagement rate with smaller numbers is going to do more for your business than large numbers and low engagement rates. On the flip side of that, you know, if your intention, like we were talking about intention yesterday, if your intention is to get the eyes of companies and try to be an influencer and, you know, build that, you do need the numbers. So how do you get those numbers without being inauthentic or purchasing things or following into, you know, whatever scheme uh, people try to get you to, to, to get into? How do you do that organically? And a lot of it comes down to, again, knowing your audience, knowing the platform, knowing what they're looking for, knowing what your brand is, right? So if your brand is not TikTok memes and 13-year-old boy humor like mine is, then what is it that your audience is looking for? So knowing all of that is great. In terms of engagement rates, anything in the level of one to two, maybe two and a half percent is considered pretty normal. Um, so the next question a lot of you might have is, well, how do I find that engagement rate? You can get it through a myriad of analytical tools. The one that I use is called Social Blade. And you can register an account and get some deeper analytics on where your channel ranks for YouTube or Instagram or Facebook. So you can check that out and see based on your last, I think it's 10 or 15 posts or something to that effect, what your engagement rate is. And so for me, I've got a lower number. I've got about 2,300 or so followers on the Stone Tree account, and I've got an engagement rate that hovers around 5%. Sometimes it's 45 sometimes it's 6%, but it's right in that 5%, which is great. I love that. I love engaging with my audience. My other account, Firelance Media, 
has somewhere around 11,000 followers. And my engagement rate there is, I want to say like 0.87. It's below 1%. Because when I set that up years ago, I got a lot of bots and fake followers and had no idea how to get rid of them. So it drives your engagement numbers down. So I'm a living, walking example that numbers do not equal engagement, especially on a larger account. So um, check out Social Blade if you're looking for something like that. Um, now, the last thing that you had mentioned, Becca, because you were just dropping gold nuggets in this thread over and over and over, you were talking about collaborations and growing a, um, growing a following using collaborations or shared content between other accounts. And you've seen your friends and you put an example up in the in the Facebook group and for those of you that have just joined us the Facebook group link is at the top of this page and um, you can go ahead there and ask to join we do keep it as a private group uh, but if you'd like to join just go ahead and click that link and submit a request and we'll let you in but for um, growing using collabs or shout outs or cross promotion um, I know, Becca, you said that you've, you don't really feel comfortable with that, nor do I, you know, reaching out and doing some of those things. And, and Gene had mentioned the same thing. Um, but can you give us a little bit more context around, you know, what your view is on collabs and, you know, using that tactic in, you know, trying to grow your following? Sure. Um, and I mean, I, 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 uh, words, um, I, do um, love doing collabs with people, uh, particularly other artists within my own general genre or even outside the genre so I can be seen by people that I wouldn't otherwise uh, be engaging with. And you have to be selective with it. It isn't just like, except every time someone messages you and is like, hey, do you want to do a shoot? And no, not like that. Um, so often it's with friends. Um, you know, so I, I know I've mentioned before, I love um, doing like monthly art challenges. And um, I had a huge, huge, huge boom growth, uh, at least in follower growth, but also engagement growth uh, last year during uh, May. And I reached out to a bunch of other art, art friends and photographers and was like, hey, um, go shoot a self-portrait and send it to me and let me make it into a mermaid. Um, and I did a bunch of those all for the entire month. And so it let me then have that cross promotional aspect um, where a bunch of new people were seeing the work that I did and then coming to check me out through those people I collaborated with. And then they also got something awesome um, that, you know, was new for their portfolio. And then people who followed me were then going and visiting them. So that is one approach. Um, and within the photo sphere, I'm sure everyone has probably tried, you know, some test shoots or, you know, TF shoots, collab shoots, whatever you want to call them. Um, same general idea. So, and sometimes, um, that is all instigated through social media. Uh, you know, definitely I've connected with a lot of really cool people through Instagram and I kind of vet people when they reach out to me to collaborate. Um, you know, is this something that is beneficial to me? Do I like their look? Do I like their work? Do you know, et cetera, um, there. And, uh, the, the part that I mentioned being uncomfortable with, I did drop that example. That was not my example. That was something I just saved on my phone a while ago. Um, be, I'm like reading someone's like, this is how I got from zero to a hundred K and you know, a year or whatever. Um, but one thing I thought was very interesting. So Gene brought up that he was not particularly comfortable reaching out in that way. Um, particularly with a smaller following. However, I think that again, people can, can smell in inauthenticity, right? They can tell when something's fake. If you see, you know, Kim Kardashian on her Instagram putting on lip gloss and, you know, saying how much she loves this lip gloss, you're probably going to assume, well, she's being paid for that. And, you know, who knows if this lip gloss is actually great. But if you see, you know, some random person that you follow with, you know, 800 followers, 5,000 followers, um, mentioning how much they love someone else's work or someone else's product, you know, you're probably a little more likely to be emotionally invested because you trust them already. You know they aren't some high-end professional influencer, but it's tapping into those smaller markets where there is that level of trust and engagement that's gonna then lead their following to trust and want to engage with you. So I think there's a lot of value there, um, stepping away from really large-scale influencer kind of lifestyle. And again, getting into that more intimate kind of community. Um, Hold on one second. I have more to say, but there's a garbage truck next to me. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can hear it. I'm just going to yeah, keep talking. Yeah, you're good. Okay. You're good, Becca. 
Um, Because that's, again, where you're going to find the most valuable types of communication and engagement is within some semblance of community and establishing yourself kind of as expert and as trusted source. So when you're, you know, like hashtags, right, those are kind of micro cosms of community. When you go to a certain hashtag, there's people involved in that hashtag and that's how you're going to tell what their interests are, what other people they're probably engaging with anyway. So you have to be very particular about choosing those kind of things to find the right communities that you want to talk to. And the same thing with Facebook groups, right? Um, When you just put something on like your regular Facebook page, it goes out to your grandma, it goes out to some of your, you know, your colleagues, it goes out to your random friends from high school. But when you go to a particular Facebook group, and you're, you know, talking and having actual conversations and like sharing your expertise and giving to that group in a way that's authentic, um, you're building that sense of trust. And that's when when you can have the more opportunity for things like collaboration and interest and, you know, name recognition or brand recognition in a more genuine way. And I love that. Thank you so much. I love that because the, the building trust with the audience is such an important part of developing a consistent following and an engaged following. And it's not something that happens with one post, right? You need to consistently be showing that you're a trustworthy individual for your audience to be engaged with you. If you're, if you're promoting Fuji cameras or Starbucks coffee or whatever it is, they can very easily look at that as you're just shilling a product. But if you over time, can illustrate why this is a product you use or why you love the brand or whatever the case is, you're more likely to get folks to engage with that and have them check out the collaborator or the additional brand um, because they're looking at you as someone to say, okay, well, if if Becca likes this, then I'm definitely going to like it. And that's a huge part of sales as well. But Nicole, Kat, have you done anything in those terms and collabs? I know, Nicole, you did stuff with um, some of your illustrations, and I know Kat, you do this stuff all the time. I'd love to hear from either one of you about collaborations or linking up with other brands, and how does that work for you? Kat, do you want to start? Sure. I don't know that I do it. Um, uh, well, beyond- well, what what I mean by that, Kat, is like you know when you're tagging Ellen Chrome or Profoto, or you know, do you see any sort of connection with that, and do you find that people follow? those links to other brands because you are promoting them or they ask you questions about it? Um, yes and no. Like it's, it's very intentional. So like if it's with a promotion for another brand, like the Obsidian Challenge um, that we did earlier this year, um, that's ramping up now for their second one, by the way, if anybody wants, oh, that might be closed. I don't know if applications are still open, but it was a really fun challenge to do. Um, but there was a lot of bounce back and forth between, you know, Obsidian and my brand and with Infinite Tools, uh, Infinite Tools and, and Retouch is really great. Yay, Nicole, um, about reposting work. Um, but there, I, I haven't done a lot of intentional like, hey, let's collaborate on like an Instagram takeover or anything or anything other than that, Then unless it's like actual work that we're sharing. But yeah, it's definitely something to put on the radar. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've done, most of my collaborations have actually been with brands and companies and not necessarily with people. So my experience there is definitely a little bit different. And sometimes that is, you know, I'm working with Ellen Chrome, they're getting ready to release new lights. We have equipment, we have an understanding of what we need to produce to meet that brief so that they have examples of what real artists can do with the tools and it's always at least when working with ellen chrome the brief is always to be as authentic as possible and right before covid started we had the opportunity to just get together in vegas this really fantastic studio a bunch of artists so um renee robin pratik nike um i was there it was just a lot of really fan alicia knight was there there was a lot of really fantastic creators um and so we got to get together we got to shoot with the lights and so not only were the final images used as promotion as well but also the video of us working and explaining our process so there really is a gamut to think about when you're looking at how you want to be engaging um, because it goes from working with brands all the way on one end 
um, and, and trying to meet what their expectations are and recognizing that they need certain things from you in order for that partnership to be worthwhile for them. And then on the other side, working with other creators or local businesses even, don't hesitate, y'all. You have to remember that what you create has value. And when it comes to other local businesses, um, if your goal is to be seen by local businesses, it's great to go find a small business and say, hey, I'd love to collaborate with you guys, maybe give you some promotional material. Um, you tag me, I'll tag you. Like, let's let's turn this into a thing. I did this with um, a small boutique brand in Colorado Springs, had a great relationship with them over about three years or so. They would provide um, clothes and other things for photo shoots. And then because I was working regularly with the owner of the store, she also worked with the tourism board for Colorado Springs. And so there were times when they would want to do a campaign or something and I would be the photographer they went to. That also opened up the doors for interviews and some other cool things that happen. So these collaborations can extend far beyond social media, but I think, and extend on a spectrum from working with other small creators, small brands to working with companies. But I think the thing that we need to keep in mind here is that your results are gonna be highly dependent on the sphere in which that brand or person moves. So if my goal for my business is to be working with seniors and then I'm collaborating with lots of other artists who are used often as reference for other artists, then when my brand starts to grow, it's not seniors who are following my page and their parents, it's other artists. So when I start to put things out on that channel, I'm not going to be getting the response I want from a business perspective, meaning I'm not going to be getting click-throughs, I'm not going to be getting an advertising ROI, because the folks who see my advertising are going to be other artists who are looking to me for inspiration. Ask me how I know this, because most of my following on Instagram is within the art community. It is not potential clients. So for me, advertising on Instagram um, and doing collaborations on Instagram is not always going to have the same results that it would for somebody who has very carefully curated their feed to, um, to appeal to their potential clients. Most of my feed goes out to photographers, other artists. I'm often... Um, I often have artists using my work as inspiration for what they paint. I have got like bucket loads of, of, of those things. So for me, if I were to try to advertise a 40 over 40 shoot, I'm probably not getting anywhere. But if I advertise the lighting book that you all got, um, my lovely artists Forge family, that you all got access to before anybody else, um, that will probably sell because it is other creators who follow me. So I recognize that that was a really like long explanation. I just wanna make sure we understand that number one, those collaborations exist on a spectrum. And unless you are giving to other artists things that they can't do for themselves, like illustrations um, for, the, for my photography friends who do not draw or paint, um, then you have to be careful about how you choose to do those things. Your collaborations might be best done with other types of creators within the community whose audience is the audience that will buy things from you. Um, and that exists on a spectrum. So I just think that that was an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, totally. And um, so one thing I do often um, on Instagram or Facebook too, but Instagram is, you know, my, my favorite social media of choice. Um, when kind of going through that vetting process of looking at other artists or even just for research purposes, because I think this is really important too, social media gives you a huge uh, capacity for doing market research and for, you know, building your own business um, by looking at other businesses. So you can do things like look into who is following other artists that are similar to you. Who are they interacting with? Um, and you can take it even deeper because, you know, when you think about a social media, again, social, what are, what are people doing in a social means? What are they talking about? You can look into people's like reviews. You can look into like their Facebook page and what are people saying about their business? Um, you can even look to like, you know, if people have had public complaints about, uh, you know, people who other artists in your same genre, or, you know, your direct competition, like in your location, and then look at how to build your own business based on 
their following or the complaints about their business? How can you better your own business based on basically outshining them in those certain areas? So um, again, like when it comes to those social media collaborations, it really depends on who is actively following and engaging with the people you're collaborating. Because if it is all just other photographers or other illustrators or other artists or whatever that would have no actual benefit to you, then that collaboration, yeah, definitely probably isn't worth it. But if you know that they're more um, engaged with and followed by local businesses or, you know, by the desired clientele, then that is a great opportunity. I think that's so great. And one of the examples that I see a lot in terms of monitoring competitors or, you know, other artists or photographers in the area that, that, you know, are in the running with me for certain jobs. I always watch social media for, Hey, who knows a good local photographer for X, right? And invariably you're going to get a hundred people responding with their favorite photographer in the area. And a lot of times I make it a point to go in there and thank the person that referred me, reach out to the person that originally asked the question, and then follow up with them as well, and try to be professional every step of the way. If nothing else, it shows that my communication is professional on a platform, and then um, when other people aren't responding whatsoever, it sets you apart as someone that is engaged, that is there, that is looking for that type of work. So I like that um, that approach that you guys have both talked about. Now, one of the things that I wanted to kind of move from the philosophy, because we spent a lot of time on that yesterday, and and we're, we're kind of heading there today, but I'd love to go into a little bit more of the, the tactics and the actual tools that are being used. And if you're in the Facebook post as well, I'm just going to kind of keep referring back to the Facebook group. Um, Kat, you posted a lot of your favorite tools as well and really laid out um, how long you're spending in the morning and you're creating um, and what your flow is primarily. Um, but you've got a handful of tools that you use. Rattle them off. What are your favorites? Um, I use, God, what do I use? Um, <laughs> uh, Beat Leap, Scroll, Unfold, um, Social Motion Packs. Uh, and those are probably the primaries um, that I'm back and forth between. You had mentioned Hashtag Wizard, which I've never heard of. Hashtag wizard. Um, well, because you know what? I'm always at a loss for hashtags. I'm like, I don't know what the hell people are searching for. And I stumbled onto hashtag wizard because um, like when you go and search for like a hashtag that you already know is definitely like in your vein, it gives you like another hundred hashtags that are similar to that and popular on Instagram that have like related, related keywords. Um, so that's been really helpful. And then, cause you can save them like Asheville portrait studio, Sarasota portrait studio, destination, um, personal branding and, you know, like that kind of thing. So you can save collections and return to them and then kind of monitor, you know, the bounce that you're getting. Cause on Instagram and your insights, it'll show you like how many came from hashtags, how many came from explore, how many came from your friends list and followers and that kind of thing. Um, so that's been really helpful as far as like kind of dialing in. And then I know which hashtags that I'm sort of using across right? Like different categories. Uh, and then I can spend more time engaging in those hashtags just to go and engage with that audience. Awesome. Pretty incredible. Um, I hadn't heard of that before. I've used some similar. Uh -oh, did we lose Matt? I was going to say, did we lose Matt? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm talking into a muted microphone as always. <laughs> just... And what I dropped was Sleep gold. It's not worth repeating. <laughs> yeah, I'll just kind of leave it. No. Um, you know, the, that hashtag suggestion thing is something that I use in later all the time. Um, they've got suggested hashtags. And I'm assuming it's some similar level tool, cat. But I really, really like that approach because I struggle with the same thing. I'm like, portrait, hashtag portrait. Now what? You know? And <laughs> if I, I say portrait, portrait mood moody as fuck you know like right. da -da 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 -da. and go down 
rabbit hole and like, well, they're fun, but are they doing anything? Right. Like, am I leveraging this appropriately? And so that's given me just some, some bounce on understanding a little more, I don't know, comprehensively about which hashtags are working and speaking to the audience that I'm directing them to. Right. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to remind the group and I'm going to keep saying this. None of us are coaches or gurus on social media. This is purely a discussion about how we see things, how as working artists, we're trying to use social media to engage our audience. There is no right or wrong. There is no perfect tactic for any of this. And if someone tells you that they have the secrets, they're lying to you flat out. So unless you are coding the actual algorithm at Instagram, um, I would just advise, like I do, stay in your lane. And just understand that there is no right or wrong way to do any of this. All right. So I know that a couple of people have been raising their hands and we're going to get to you in a minute. I know um, Ari and Trish had raised their hands and we can bring you guys up in a minute. But I really did want to just flush this out a little bit further on the tools. Um, like you, Kat, I use some of the same ones. Scroll. Unfold is a huge one for me. Animoto for uh, video stories and posts. Um, later, which I've mentioned quite a bit to not only uh, post to Instagram, but Facebook and Pinterest. And I'm able to schedule those out in advance and do the preview of my feed and so on and so forth. I think those are my favorite. I'm always playing with different apps to see if I like them. My phone is full of apps that are never going to go anywhere. And I think it's the aesthetic that I'm looking for more than anything to tie my brand into what I'm putting out there. So, you know, when it comes to aesthetics, and I'll ask all of you, Becca, Nicole, Kat, I'll ask all of you, do you try to adhere to an aesthetic, um, whether it's in your stories or in your feed? And do you think it makes sense at all? Or is it just kind of like, hey, I like this piece. I'm going to put it out there. I know it'll get engagement with my audience. It doesn't stick to a traditional aesthetic like every other photo is a black and white or whatever. Um, do you find that you put any thought or credence into that? Or do you just kind of post what you like? And because it is your voice, it all generally ties in together. Love your thoughts on that. I think um, you basically nailed what my Instagram looks like for me is uh, whatever my visual signature is. That's what's on there. I use Instagram as in a way kind of a portfolio. So my feed is just my work. Um, every now and then I will post something, you know, that is um, like announcing something, but I usually go back and delete that. Because if somebody's scrolling through my feed, I just want them to see my work. My stories, I've noticed, tend to do best when it's me. Um, if I'm talking about something going on in my life or just sharing a piece of what I did today, that's the types of things that seem to get the most traction there for me. Um, but that's why <laughs> there's a bunny running down the road in front of me. He gets like 10 feet and then he's like, she's not going to come any farther. And then he goes to 10 more feet. Um, so yeah, so um, I think that's a, an important thing to consider as well because Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, um, TikTok, all of those different platforms are asking for something slightly different from creators in order to reward them with the algorithm uh, reach that they want. And so you, uh, thinking about how those things operate and what people go there for like when somebody shows up on instagram why are they there when sh somebody shows up on tiktok why are they there and you can look at curating your feed in order to kind of match those things so um as an example i've heard was it head heart hands right so you may decide, okay, if I'm going to try to curate my feed, how do I want to do that? What things do I care about enough to create? And what things are actually going to matter to the people I'm trying to talk to? And you might say, well, funny memes are a big one for me. So any funny memes related to the things I'm interested in. So for me, maybe it would be like fantasy stuff. So if it's a Lord of the Rings meme, I am in, right? And probably the people who follow me are into storytelling and fantasy stuff. And that's probably gonna be right up their alley. 
So maybe memes and I'll do that, you know, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, maybe that's like a really great quote from an artist I love or a philosopher I love or, you know, a storyteller that I love. And Thursdays are when I post pictures and, you know, you can really easily look at curating your feed based on what people want from you and what's going to do best on that algorithm. Um, and, you know, you can obviously push what you're doing in one place to other places, but Facebook doesn't really like that. It doesn't really respond well with reach there. And so um, the more native you can be, probably the better, um, the better the platforms are going to respond. Because you, if you think like the platform, they want people to stay on the platform that is literally the entire purpose for why they exist because if you stay on the platform you're going to see the advertisements you know you're you're making them more money if you keep people where they're at so um when you post things natively it just tends to reward you a little bit more so when i'm thinking about how i'm going to structure my posts and what that looks like um, I'm really thinking about what I use that platform form for and why people follow me there. And so I don't post the same thing on Facebook that I post on Instagram. I might share it just for the sake of being like, well, it's on Instagram. I can very easily push it over to Facebook too um, and share it on Twitter. That's fine. But those posts don't tend to do as well. So Facebook is where I share like longer form thoughts and behind the scenes and my life and other things. And then Instagram is really just image based. Um, I've started using TikTok a little bit, um, but mostly so far it's, it's in an exploratory phase. So I'm, I'm just seeing how it works for me. Um, and at some point I probably will curate it a little bit more, but those are the things that I keep in mind when I'm trying to figure out what I post and how I post it. Now you're also an example of someone that is and you're probably going to laugh at this, but incredibly organized. I at least that's yeah. that's the, the the thing that I have in my mind when I think about you is incredibly organized. Whether or not that's true, just go with it, just roll with it. Um, I won't shatter that illusion for you. I'll just thank you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Um, but do you use a content calendaring system? Do you use a spreadsheet or a Google Doc or you know a program like Later or? Um, do you do that and, and plan it out so that you can repurpose content from one platform to another? Or do you basically just stick to what you stick to what you were just talking about, which is, hey, I'm going to put imagery on Instagram and I'm going to do the more personal stuff on Facebook. Um, do you do you put thought into how you're plotting that out, let's say, over the course of a week or a month so that there are consistent themes kind of like you do here in the room? Right. That's a really great question. And actually, the answer is both yes and no. So when I'm managing somebody else's social media platforms, um, which, I, okay, I want to get into that. Anyway, when I'm doing that for somebody else, I absolutely use a content calendar. And I also have a flow chart for the way that I'm going to be purposing information. And I'll explain a little bit how that goes. So when I was working for ProEDU, the main product that we were selling is tutorials, obviously. So at the very top of the flow chart is the tutorial or the video content that we're making. That then can be broken down into multiple things. You can use clips from the video that go places. You can use quotes from the video that go places. You can take the subject of that video and write a blog post about it. Um, you can use a still from that video or from the photographer who created it in order to post something like that on Instagram. So you basically take a single piece of content and figure out what you can get from that single piece of content. When I, um, I'm interviewing folks on my YouTube channel, Nicole Creates, I take the video, I cut it up into pieces. I use you know, a video clip for an Instagram story. I use stills that the photographer sends me or the artist sends me um, on Instagram to let people know that interview is gonna happen. I use quotes from the interview also. Um, you'll see this on the Artist Forge. Uh, when we've interviewed people in the past, um, people like Cheryl Walsh, you'll see quotes that they have there um, from the, you know, particularly inspiring quotes from those interviews. So I have a, a, a flow chart of how I can break things up and where they go. If it's video, if I had had a TikTok at the time, um, I would certainly be pushing a piece of video out to TikTok. I would put that in Instagram stories and also push it over to Facebook stories. Um, I would use that quote. 
on Instagram. I could probably also use it on Twitter. So trying to understand what each platform is designed to do and then taking those content pieces and pushing them out that way. So in a real way, what happens is it becomes um, the Mississippi and all of its tributaries, right? So the, the single piece of big content is the Mississippi, the tributaries all flow out from that. And you can take one piece of content and basically turn it into 10 different social media posts, relatively easy um, for not too much effort. And I will do that on a calendar understanding. So if I was cat, I would say my 40 over 40 is coming up. I need to be, you know, sharing things related to that. So in the month before 40 over 40 launches, I'm going to start sharing these stories, which will become blog posts. And I'll use the images. I'll also use the quotes from their reviews. And these things are going to get disseminated all the way up to when the campaign starts. Once the campaign starts, then it's going to be um, behind the scenes and it's going to be actually showing real people and it's going to be et cetera, et cetera. So um, I use monday.com because I, I found it to be one of the best program management softwares. It really helps me stay on board. Um, it, and it also, it also will link to almost everything else you have, like um, your email program, if you're using you know, MailChimp or um, Klaviyo or whatever you're using. So it, it really works throughout many platforms. It gives you notifications. It keeps you on target when due dates are, all of that good stuff. So when I'm on my game, yes, I plan this thing out. I use a content calendar. I also have a flow chart that reminds me how to break up the content that I have into multiple pieces. When I'm doing other things and I'm not focused on the marketing side of my business or someone else's business, I get lazy as fuck and I just post what I want when I want. So um, keeping in mind, images go on Instagram, videos go on TikTok, you know, just the loose, the loose uh, parameters of those platforms. But yeah, it is a spectrum. Yes, I do both. Um, clearly, the lazy stuff does not work as well. So heads up if you decide to go the lazy route. It's, it's not great, but that's where my life is right now. So. I think that's, that's I think that's pretty incredible, actually. I mean, and I love hearing you talk about this. You've 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 given me that explanation several times about how you manage all of this content, how you break it down, how you repurpose it, how you have that forethought to start with, for example, the tutorial, and then create all those muddy river tributaries downstream. I don't think a lot of people look at content that way in the everyday, right? Sure, social media managers right. do, absolutely. But I don't think a lot of people do. And it's it's such a great point because if you do write a blog post or you do have a good piece of content, sharing it across multiple platforms or repurposing it for a different audience, adding a different caption. You know, if it's more of an artist audience, you know, talking more about the technical aspects of it. If it's more of a, a retail audience talking about what it might mean to them to have images or pieces of art like that. I love repurposing content. I certainly don't do it enough. And it's something that I, I'm green with envy when I see people doing it well. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's just, it's one of those things that I think people often look at content as a one and done. Oh, I put that on yes. Instagram. I can't put it anywhere else. Or I wrote this thing on my blog and I pushed it out on Facebook, but you know, I never took snippets of it. And now it dies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and if you think about it, it kill, it's a time killer, right? Like sure. when you have to create a brand new thing for every platform that you're on, you never have time to do anything else. Right. So you got to make the most of those pieces of content that you have spent time on. Yeah, it's such a great point. All right, so we are, God, we this hour flew by. We've uh, got about 10 minutes left or whatnot. And what I wanted to do is invite anybody up in the audience, if you have something you want to talk about in terms of tools or tactics specifically, you know, uh, the philo philosophical stuff always gets interwoven into this conversation, no matter what we do. But I'd love to hear uh, some of the tactics and strategies or tools that you're using that you absolutely love. It doesn't have to be some some long explanation. So uh, Erica, thankfully, is coming up because she's amazing at what she does. Hi, Erica. Talk to us. Hi. Hi. Um so I, I by no means have uh, social media nailed, but um, as you may suspect, I have it um, 
built into a process. So uh, it enables me to do what I have done so far. So I always, always um, put uh, images both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and my clients expect that. Like I even tell them at the end of their session, you can count on, uh, you know, when I'm done editing, you will see one on Facebook, one on Instagram. And then I also put a larger number on my blog so they go to my blog and they share the blog post, um, which helps my SEO and um, and helps other people see my website. So um, so I've done that from day one, and it has worked very very well for me. Um, I do try to post different things on Facebook and Instagram, and um, so you know, and sometimes cross-reference, like you should go over to Instagram to see such and such. Um, so hopefully people are seeing it at both places. Um, I have gotten better. However, I recognize the need for more. I'm awful at Instagram stories. Um, I'm getting better at reels and I actually enjoy them. And um, I have found that <clears throat> the reels live longer um, and, you know, I've had something that I've posted and weeks later suddenly takes off. Um, so um, I can see how that can be beneficial. But for my portrait audience, um, the, the consistency has what has sustained me year after year after year. Um, I have done collaborations in the past. I used to do something called Senior Week. Um, and quite frankly, it was exhausting. It was expensive. Um, uh, and I did it, I think the last time I did it was two or three years ago. And um, I, I did like contests every day. And it got, you know, some new followers and it did get, um, it generated a buzz. Um, but then the following year, I didn't do it. and my sales for the year were higher. So I, you know, I, I can't say that, um, you know, my business hinges on social media, except for the fact that I just need to constantly be in front of my audience, if that makes sense. It does. And you do such a good job of it from the outside observing, um, you know, seniors are not my thing. And I'm always enamored by the the way that you engage with them. I did have one question though on your blog posts, right? So as you drive people over to your blog, and this is a kind of a nitpicky question, but when you are posting a blog on your site, are you adhering to any length of text? You need to get to 250 words, 600 words, a thousand words. What are you intermingling with the images on your blog? Because, you know, according to one SEO versus another, um, they're going to recommend a minimum of 350 words of text so that it feels organic to Google. Do you do a whole lot of writing? And admittedly, I haven't, you know, taken a deep dive into your blog, so I don't know. But um, do you adhere to a number of, of words amongst the images? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair <laughs> Not, enough. I, uh, the honestly, um, just because I don't have time. So my, my regular blog, blog posts that are, you know, the senior sessions, which I blog, I I'm using the term blog or blogging, um, very lightly because honestly it is sneak peeks. It is a blog post that has sneak peeks with a few words at the bottom of the location of where I shot it. So seniors can refer back to that to see some of the locations. Um, and then, you know, just keywords of, you know, where I'm located, that type of thing. Um, it is less to try to reach a super high amount of people. It is more to reach my, you know, little circle of people um, because, you know, the, the seniors and their parents are sharing that blog post. Other seniors and parents are clicking on that blog post and getting to my website. So it's not necessarily that I want, um, that I'm, I'm super concerned with, you know, people in all of Ohio to, to find me. What I want is people similar to the people that I've worked with to find me. And for that purpose, it works. Now, um, I have it on my to-do list, um, to 
work on more content-driven blog posts, uh, helpful information that can get other people and hopefully drive more of that SEO. But yeah, for, for my senior posts, they're literally the pictures and a few words. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, thanks for that. Ari, I know that you've been waiting patiently um, and that you also dropped a ton of information in the Facebook group. So thank you for that. Um, but what's on your mind? I will keep it really tight. Um, I just want to talk about the hashtag comment that you get discussion from a little before, because I think um, I just want to try to frame it in a way that maybe like in the way that the light bulb went on for me. Um, you know, if if you look at what is a hashtag and what's the whole point of it, um, a user comes on, you know, just like Nicole said, you know, why are they there? Um, you know, and the goal is to help them get to you and you need to put in your head, what does a person put into the search function to get to you? And so what are they thinking about, you know, whatever type of thing it is. And the hashtag does two things. One is it helps match the search to the result by identifying it. And secondly, it guides the algorithm, specifically on Instagram, to teach Instagram how to respond to different people's search queries. And so you want to um, just have that in mind on any of the platforms. You know, even let's say something is like Google or Amazon. You know, what's the difference between a search term and a keyword? A search term on Amazon is a, a mom comes in and she wants to buy a baby gift. Um, and if you're selling that baby gift, you want to advertise on, you know, however that person would describe it. And so it's, it's the exact same concept for, you know, trying to, you know, maximum to, to optimize your hashtags and what have you. Um, it's to, you know, Instagram doesn't just want engagement. They want good and doesn't just want you to stay on the site, like, like Nicole said, but they also want people to have the best user experience and to find what they want to find when they're looking for it and to see what they want to see when they're in their feed. And so, um, you know, I really encourage thinking very carefully about, you know, which about using, you know, good hashtags, being consistent on them so that the algorithm doesn't get confused. And, um, and even if you're putting different types of content up, trying to stay consistent to um, your hashtags so that the algorithm and your customer base, you know, finds you and you, you come up prominently on there. And so again, each, each one, each platform has different algorithms and I'm just speaking to Instagram, you know, here, but the concept is the same, whether it's, you know, Instagram, Pinterest or, or what have you. Um, and I just, I guess, you know, a lot of times people think of hashtags is like, um, you know, something cutesy or something like that. It really is a guide to help Instagram and as the, the middle person, I shouldn't say middleman, right? As the, as the middle, is the intermediary, there's the gender neutral term, as the intermediary between the user and the, the person who's the creator and to help them get the perfect match, which is what Instagram ultimately wants. And I'm Ari, I hope that was helpful, I am complete. Ari, that was great. And I think it's, it ties together a lot of the things that we've talked about here which is know your audience, think like your audience, right? Are you trying to impress other artists? Are you trying to impress other photographers? Are you trying to bring business through the door? Are you trying to get clients? Are you trying to get exposure? What's your intention for what it is you're posting? Understand that the algorithm needs to learn what you want as well as linking up the people that have the common interests um, that might be out there using a certain hashtag. So know the algorithm, know your audience, know your algorithm. Lastly, know who you are, know what your voice is and understand what each platform is for. Understand why you're posting on that platform. And like Nicole mentioned earlier, um, you know, repurposing the same content in different ways for different platforms to reach an audience in a different way, right? They're going to reside in different places. So tailor your content towards that. 
None of this is necessarily groundbreakingly new information. However, it's good to think about as you're posting, um, whether it's a blog or whether it's Instagram or Facebook, whether you're posting on any one of these platforms, understanding the intention, the why, the how always helps out. So make some tweaks and see where you get. But for Matt, can I just circle the wagon and one thing sure. said also is that, you know, how you say different platforms have different users and different needs and, and what have you. In terms of like what I was saying yesterday about having the concentric circles of the users that, you know, maybe someone starts on your newsletter, um, a blog, and then you you bring them up to a, a mastermind, you bring them to a, a group thing, they, then they get individual thing or, or whatever it is, however it works for your situation. It's the same exact, it's the same concept in terms of what you're suggesting with those different platforms too. And if you're always thinking about where your concentric circles are and your goal to be constantly moving them, you know, more towards the center, which is direct interaction with you, um, you know, to be conscious of that. And I think that it's a a great way to think about it. Thank you. I, I think that's a great point. Thanks for the reminder, Ari. Um, Becca, Nicole, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? We're here at the end of the hour. I can't believe it went this quickly. I can't believe, Nicole, that you let me ramble on this long. Um, But I will give it over to you for any final thoughts. I can talk about social media all day. um, But I will go ahead and drop some um, links to some hashtag and uh, kind of tools in the Facebook group, um, just so you can kind of get a better look for how hashtags are related to each other. Um, and, you know, again, looking at them as a sense of community and what those communities are interested in um, and kind of what they're talking about. Um, so I will drop those in Facebook in a couple minutes. I'm getting water out of my fridge. So just in case, just in case you hear that, that's what it is. Um, see, there's the sound of fridge closing. So, yeah, I mean, as for final thoughts for me, I would just say, ultimately, at the end of the day, remember that you're, you're talking to people through a medium. And each medium requires a different thing. What I do here on Clubhouse is not the same thing that I do when I'm writing a blog. Um, the approach has to be different because the medium demands that that's what you do. But at the end of the day, you're always talking to a person. And, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, Matt, you mentioned that there's always some tension there for you between, you know, wanting to be authentic, but also kind of finding yourself falling into that. I also must be professional voice and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I think it's just important for us to remember that at the end of the day, people connect with people. And if you talk to folks the way you would want somebody to talk to you, you're going to get a better result because humans are social animals. We need one another. One of our deep needs is to be liked and accepted by the groups that we're in. Um, And if you talk to people like they're human beings and like you could build a relationship with them, um, the response is always going to be better than when you, you know, well, the book said this and I should use these kinds of words and I should, et cetera, et cetera. Not saying that there's not something to learn there. There absolutely is. You can grab books like words that sell or phrases that sell and things like that, because, uh, you know, those, those are going to kind of help you with your, your phrasing and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to talk to people like they're people and you're communicating with them through a medium. Just keep that in mind because Sometimes these conversations, particularly if you leave here and you go look for, you know, a guru, um, it's not that they're going to give you bad advice, but the way that they're going to talk is as if these people that you're speaking to are numbers that you're trying to reach and not human beings with valid emotions, experiences, et cetera, et cetera, which is, I think, why what Ari said is so important. Um, Instagram wants users to have a good experience and they can tell whether or not people have a good experience with you on how often they come back to you, how long they stay with you, how long they view your things. Do they share it? Do they save it? All that kind of stuff. Um, So the more you treat your content like it's meant for consumption by people, real people, I think the better off you're going to be. I think that's a great way to end it for today. 
because tomorrow I'm sure we'll be talking about more of this kind of stuff. But to everybody that did join us in the audience and for the people that have just stopped by, one more reminder that the link right above all the moderators goes directly to our Facebook group. If you would like to join the Facebook group, um, all you have to do is click on that link, send us a request, we'll let you in. It is private um, because we want to keep this community nice and tight like we have here in the clubhouse in the morning. Um, if you are in the Facebook group, go ahead and post some more thoughts, some, you know, after hours thoughts about social media. And we try to keep some of that conversation going. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any additional thoughts, please leave them there. But outside of that, um, we will be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. in the other time zone, and then 7, and then 6, and then wherever you are in the world, just calculate it based on East Coast time because I can't do what Nicole does in her head. So uh, we'll be back like we are every morning. Until then, please go create something wonderful and have an amazing day. See you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.